Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking BOA on blast, second home slip-ups, and buses are back. Yeah, and by the way, we're not trying to mislead anybody when we say that, like, a second home slip-up, but it's not like you you stumble into, like, buying a second home. (laughs) Uh, But there are some notions out there about real estate and investing and how smart of a decision that can be. We're going to be talking about that, plus all of the other top stories that we came across this week here in our Friday flight. And by Mm -hmm. the way, we call it a Friday flight because when you go to a brewery, you get that nice flight that sampling of beers, you get a little taste of each one. You don't have to commit necessarily to one big story, and that's what we do here on the on the Friday flights. Yeah. But uh, what's lots this? to cover every week, right? In the personal finance yeah. news, and there's always a nugget takeaway for individuals. Like, okay, well, how does this apply to me? And so exactly. we got a bunch of good stuff lined up. Uh, that's what we do for you today, Matt. Before we get to that, I just I wanted to mention I'm not a complainer by nature. Uh, I'm I'm usually happy-go-lucky fella, but in I, I, we've talked about recently. I've had like a bunch of stuff happen in my life a lot of bad stuff really uh, or difficult things right and one of those things was the tree falling through my roof blah 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 blah. not fun <laughs> and then uh like soon after that we got rear-ended like the next week yeah it wasn't yeah. long after that and so dealing with the insurance companies on both ends has not been like a cup of tea but one of the most annoying things actually for for me and that hopefully listeners can get something out of this was that uh, when my car my car was totaled because mm-hmm. it was so old that even just a fender bender bend it was totaled they're like oh this thing's done yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's worth about four grand. Go ahead and put so, it under. Yeah, it needs like three grand worth of repairs. It's totaled, right? And so I got paid out on that. But the one thing that the insurance company refused to pay me for was the tax that I would owe when I were to buy another car 
of similar value. And so I pushed back Ugh. repeatedly saying like, listen, no, I'm going to, now I have to buy another one and I'm going to incur sales tax and this is coming out of my pocket. You guys should make me whole. And uh, they disagreed and they said, actually the state- Is that not a standard thing? They said the state doesn't require us. They only require it in a case where it's your your primary insurance company covering your loss, not this third party cover company covering my loss because- I wasn't at fault, which makes no sense. And so what I did, what? I reached out to, to okay. the state insurance department to file a complaint uh, because there are always ways, things at your disposal, right? Uh, and like the CFPB, we talk about that for consumer complaints. If you're having a problem with a bank or, or a financial institution, you can reach out to them. And oftentimes your voice will get hurt and something will happen. Sadly, in this case, my voice did not get hurt. Oh, but... Well, you got hurt at least. <laughs> I was assuming there's going to be a happy ending here, no. but oh, I'm sorry, dude. Well, it's funny actually. At one point, the, the there's going to be like this great takeaway for <laughs> for everybody. It's just well, like, even if you don't get restitution, you still got to try. You got to try. Yeah, it's important okay. to complain. I'm gonna, you know, I, I think I'm going to take the time to write to my congressperson and just say, listen, this, this isn't right. That the the insurance companies are hmm. not forced to make people fully whole in you know in in a case like this but the, the, that these, sucks dude yeah, yeah. The, these are the kind of things though it's like I, a deductible on top of your deductible yeah you, you know like yeah. it's money that you're having to pay when in order to be made whole it sucks it, yeah it's it which is it's just it's not right but i want to encourage people you know you might not always it might not always pan out in your favor lots of times it does but in this case it's still worth the complaint it's still worth putting it on the radar of the people in charge and saying hey let's fix the system because this it doesn't make sense to hold insurance companies accountable in, in a primary insurance sort of case but not in a third party case that's right man i like it well hey pretty soon you're going to be like a, a recent guest on the show yanelli espinal and you're going to be like a lobbyist you're going to be <laughs> there at the capitol changing changing the laws maybe buddy. maybe <laughs> so how do money 2.0 is we get political <laughs> but uh yes this is our friday flight and our first story this week has to do with the banks because yes boa bank of america they just got slapped with 250 million dollars in fines and refunds that they're having to Which sounds like to a pay, big number pay but back let, to customers but let's be honest to, uh, to them it's probably not to them it's chump change uh it is hey it's money, dude. Um, but they, regulators, penalized the U.S.'s second biggest bank for a number of consumer abuses, including opening credit card accounts without consent, charging overdraft fees twice, and withholding credit card rewards. And so let's kind of, let's dive into the details here. Let's itemize the crappiness of BOA here for a minute. This because take a while. They were not only charging insanely high fees when a transaction was declined because of insufficient funds, uh, but they were uh, basically double dipping. Uh, so, for instance, let's say you didn't have enough money in your account uh, and you're getting a $3 coffee. You try to buy it. Well, you were going to be charged an extra 70 bucks. It's $35 a pop for their insufficient yeah, fee. But, but $35 wasn't enough for Bank of America. They said, no, 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 we're going to we're gonna hit you twice mm-hmm. for one transaction, which is just completely bogus. It's it's bonkers. Uh, but And they were also, this is, they were kind of <laughs> taking a page out of Wells Fargo's book. They were creating unauthorized accounts because of sales incentive goals that were basically impossible to hit without cheating. And so not only did they pull credit reports, which, of course, hurt your credit score without asking you, but they also charge customers fees on that account that they opened fraudulently in your name. So there's always a 
nice wholesome group of folks that we can right. count on over there at at Bank of America. Yeah. Oh man, swell people who yeah. you just want to invite over for like family dinner or That's your neighborhood barbecue. Good people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the folks over there at BOA. Right. No, this should infuriate every single person who uh, has banked with Bank of America, or you know, even if you haven't, like you should just make sure now to steer clear of them completely. Same with Wells Fargo. We've been banging that drum for years, but it gets even worse than that, Matt. So let's let's continue to talk about how bad Bank of America is. They also didn't pay out rewards as agreed on credit card signups. So let's say you you hit your spending threshold, and Bank of America says, "Nah, we don't really feel like paying those the you know cash or travel rewards that we told you you were going to receive if you hit these these this sort of spending in a certain amount of time." Yeah, they're trying to alienate everybody. Not only the folks that don't have enough money in their account, right. but also the folks who are trying to optimize and take their finances to the next level, just in case they didn't piss off one group. Right. It's just like, let's just <laughs> really stir the pot. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They hate everyone equally, right? Yeah. So uh, It just seems like the <laughs> height they, of... They don't discriminate. No, no. And it seems like the height of arrogance to me, right? The, the, that there's just massive cultural rot at some of the biggest banks, specifically Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And it's, uh, you know, they're often the worst place to go for loans, for savings and for fees. I mean, like, there's just no reason to do business with these guys at all. They treat their customers like dirt. And uh, so we would say uh, consumers need to rethink which banks they do business with. And at some point, it's on us if we continue to Mm -hmm. go back into the crappiest banks who offer the worst service and even, you know, continue to commit criminal actions against our customers. It's, It's almost like returning to a partner habitually who lies, steals, and cheats you. Right? I mean, like, this is at some point you have to say enough is enough and I'm out of here. And uh, I think it's terrible what Bank of America did. I wish the CFPB had done even more to hold them accountable. Uh, but we have to now make a change that's in our best interest. Yeah. And, and staying with the big banks like Bank of America and Wells Fargo in particular is a terrible idea, uh, really, for any reason. Yeah. I mean, you've got to vote with your dollars because shaming them calling them out for the fact that they've done wrong like that doesn't move the needle for them. I don't think they feel shame. They they don't care. Exactly. And and it's the way that you're able to move the needle is by voting with your feet, voting Mm -hmm. with your dollars and taking your business elsewhere. That is how they're going to respond. And it seems small. I mean, I think we all want to take everybody wants to take a big action that but really go down to the Capitol like Joel. Yeah, exactly. uh, Be a lobbyist. But it's a bunch of small (laughs) actions, right? And it is a, a email here or there to your congressperson or it is actually taking your business elsewhere. It does make a difference. And and yeah, you can't single-handedly, you know, bring Bank of America to its knees overnight. But uh, a bunch of us doing the right thing over a period of time over, c- could see these banks being hurt substantially. Yeah, like it, it kind of makes me think of politics. There's the like there's individuals who get overly obsessed with f- politics, like on a federal scale, like yeah. national politics, right? But oftentimes. The biggest change you can make is locally, is by voting, is by yeah. pay, paying attention to what's happening there at the local level. That's yeah. how you're going to be able to, to move the needle. Or getting on the school board yourself, time. right? As opposed mm-hmm. to, yeah, the, the, does the president have a difference? Sure. But like uh, th- some of those local positions, you're right, have more of a day-to-day impact on our lives. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that being said, there is some good news on the banking front because it's looking like more folks are avoiding some of the different banks out there that aren't paying much in interest. More customers are finally waking up. More folks are realizing that, as the Fed has been raising interest rates, uh, that the the gap, the the discrepancy, is growing between rates at different banking institutions. Folks are realizing that if they don't make the switch, that they are potentially leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, and if 
banks want to grow their deposits. They're realizing that they'll have to create a meaningful incentive to in order in order to either keep folks or attract new customers. There's more competition now than ever with banks like CIT. We talk about them all the time. They're at like almost 5% right now. Uh, Betterment, they've increased their payout uh, to five and a quarter. Yeah. So keep that in mind. If you're with one of the big banks, it could cost you on multiple fronts. It's time to ditch them. And I also know that talking about banking is kind of boring <laughs> but like it's so foundation like it makes me think about getting enough sleep it, it's something that no one really talks about and you everybody knows that they should get the proper amount of sleep but instead they stay up and watch tv guilty as charged like i do this too <laughs> but I, like you know deep down that this is something that you should do but you just kind of keep avoiding it no this is something you just need to do now Get enough sleep, eh? But then also switch away from some of the big banks. Go with one of the banks that are going to treat you well, that are paying a decent rate. Yeah. I rarely let TV mess with my sleep, but I did <laughs> allow the bear season two to do just Oh, did that. you really? Gosh. Oh, we haven't talked about that. So, so good. You were, you were like, oh, you should really watch it. I actually got Kate to watch it. That's the only reason I watched it. Okay. I only watch TV if I can get Kate to do it because then we're spending time together. One, one of the best shows. Of you the dig day. it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Too. I thought season two was better than season one. Really? Yeah. Well, they introduced the relational side of things, yeah. but uh, all right, oh, nice. Enough about TV. But, yep. um, yeah, but no, you're right. It, it is kind of one of those boring, but man, when you see uh, a, a bank doing things like this, hating on their customers so hard, and then you see, wow, wait a second, it's more than that. It's like they're still paying 0.01% on savings, and there are these other banks who actually care about my business. They're yeah. trying to win me over as a customer. Why are we why are we saying no and staying with the piece of crap institutions that treat us poorly? Let's not do that anymore. All right, while we're talking about banks, Matt, though, there's another uh, another lesson that all of us can learn from the bank failures that took place earlier this year. We've already talked about FDIC insurance. Everybody knows, hey, don't have more than 250k in a given account because if your bank goes bust, you're out some of that money potentially, <laughs> even though a lot of those depositors didn't actually lose money. It's important to recognize uh, the limits of FDIC insurance. But there's something else, though, that we can all glean from what happened, those three bank failures, something we should avoid at all costs. And that is buying stock in the company you work for. And when those banks failed earlier this year, a lot of employees lost not only their income, but a chunk of their retirement savings at the same time, because they'd been investing in company stock, which is just super sad. Like how it's like insult to injury, right? Yeah. Uh, and so SVB and First Republic, they were both of them were encouraging their employees to do just that, to buy company stock with their retirement savings, which is bad advice. <laughs> of course, that's what your employer wants, but that's not what's best for you. Mm -hmm. and, and they're not alone, Matt. This makes me think my mom, she just retired from Lockheed and they also pushed their employees to own company Ooh. stock for many years. And so uh, it's just an incredibly risky move. It's one that sh people should avoid. It is it likely that the place where you you work is going to go bust overnight? You're going to lose your paycheck and your retirement savings? I mean, no, it's probably not going to happen probably tomorrow. Probably not, but yeah. you never know. Yeah. Right? Like, like, that's the problem here is that you just don't know. And I think the only exception to this rule are the, the different ESPP plans, the employee stock purchase plan options or benefits that are available, uh, because those can offer significant discounts for employees to buy some company stock. But even then, you've got to pay close attention to the timeline. You've got to have an exit strategy so that you're not holding on to that company's stock indefinitely. Mm -hmm. But investing in your company's stock inside of your 401k, this is a terrible idea because if you lose your job and you don't want your retirement dollars to get flushed down the toilet at the same time, you got to make sure that those dollars are divorced from your job, yeah. basically. And honestly, even if you're, let's say you are employed by a different company, a different bank, or <laughs> or say uh, someone's in, in, uh, employed by Lockheed, well, 
that doesn't then mean that you now have permission to put all of your uh, retirement dollars into a single stock company like SVB, because someone might be thinking, well, no, I'm diversified enough. I'm employed by this company and I'm investing in this company right here. Well, no, that's still incredibly stinking risky. Yeah. That's still putting all of your eggs in one basket. And even I was so I was looking at this, the story closer. SVB, like over the past decade, at one point, uh, the stock was up something like 800 to 900 percent. Mm-hmm. And so no wonder folks were thinking, oh, yeah, this is this gravy train is going to keep on rolling. Sure. But I'd you, be a fool not to do that. Exactly. You know? And so it makes sense as to why more and more folks were, were continuing to do that. But There's if you buzz around the water cooler, everybody's yes. talking about how, you know, their yeah. their retirement accounts growing faster than everybody else's because. But you look at it now. Look what I did. I invested in this company uh-huh. and, and this company is rocking. Now they're at negative 100 percent over the past 10 years. Yep. So it is it's, it's too risky. It's why we recommend for folks to widely diversify their retirement dollars in index funds, yep. either invest in the entire stock market or invest in the S&P 500. That is how we want you to invest your retirement dollars. Yeah, yeah it might work out. It does, it's not necessarily going to sink your battleship, but it could. It yeah. could. And you just don't want to put yourself at undue risk, especially when you're getting your paycheck from that employer as well. There's that, just too much volatility ooh. associated with single stock investing. Yep. Too scary. Yep. All right, if Matt. you want to do it with a small percentage of, I mean, this is, I don't want this to turn into an entire investing episode, but like you want to put 5% of your invest, investable dollars into a single stock? Sure. Because guess what? If you lose all that 5%, yeah. you still got a lot of the, the rest of your nest egg that's unscathed. Yeah. One guy quoted in that article had put just a small amount in company stock in one of these banks. And he said, well, yep. the icing yep. was taken off the cake, <laughs> but the cake was still I, there. I still got the cake. And I'm like, hey, yeah. that's if you want to do that, that's fine. But mm-hmm. just make sure the cake is still there at the end that's of the day. That's right. right? Yeah. And that guy isn't financially ruined. But, but a uh, lot of people were. So, yeah. well, right. how about you take it? Okay. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say, let's get to the, the story about second homes. It's fascinating some some of the worst financial advice i've seen in recent memory we'll discuss that and more right after this asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest they are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's 
K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash how to money. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, we're back from the break. Yeah, speaking of terrible ways to invest your dollars, uh, we're going to get to our ludicrous headline of the week. And this one comes from the brilliant minds over there at Yahoo Finance. (laughs) (laughs) Headline: put the dunce cap on them and put them in the corner. (laughs) Headline reads, two-thirds of wealthy Americans own a second home. Here's why everyone should consider this investment. So there it is, folks. Go ahead. Buy that dope condo in Malibu. Buy that, uh, that, that second home in Jackson Hole or <laughs> out in the Rockies in order to build wealth. Who knew that it was going to be that easy? But of course, basic flaw with this piece is that they are mistaking correlation and causation, right? Is it that buying a vacation home is going to increase your net worth uh, in a substantial way? Or is it that those who already have significant resources, who are already wealthy, that they're out there buying second homes? It's clearly the latter, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> buying a vacation home is not going to make you rich. It's folks who are already rich who are buying those homes. It's yeah. like somebody looking around and being like, oh man, all the wealthy people I know have Rolexes. <laughs> I need to buy a Rolex because maybe then I'll be I'll be wealthy. Yeah. Or I don't, do people even, I don't even know if people wear fancy watches anymore. But some people do. It's uh it's iPhone 14 Pros like you. Yeah. Uh, fancy pants. <laughs> I know. Joe. Jo- hey, I'm still holding on to my Casio though. So yeah. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. That's right. Welcome well, to the uh, the Apple side. Okay, so my I'll, friend. Maybe I'll tell that story at a later date. Yeah. But. You got it on sale. So yeah, but yeah. I I don't know if I made the right move. Well, really? I, it's, it's it's a nicer piece of hardware, but I don't know if I like the software quite as much. You having some regrets? What, but maybe it's just like old me being an old man. You're just I, being an old curmudgeon. It's gonna take me a few. It weeks takes to a get second to it. get used to the iOS. Yeah. Yeah. You literally have never had an iPhone. Never. Yeah. So this is I've only ever had an iPhone. So yeah. I, I think it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> All right. Well, and I love that I can actually like your texts. And when you like, like it, it just does it in the proper way now instead of old green bubble Joel. So. Okay. I, I don't yeah. care about the bubble colors, but I know some people <laughs> do. All right. Well, let's keep talking about second homes, Matt, because it, it, the, here's the thing. If you've got the cash on hand and you, you really want a vacation home to make family memories in or whatever, go for it. It's okay to, to splurge in that way, we'd say. But do not think of it as an investment unless you're actually going to rent that puppy out on Airbnb for most of the year. Like I have a buddy, he did that in Chattanooga. He lives in California, but man, he, he does well with it and he gets to use it every, you know, under two or three weeks a year. And so the, the truth is homes require repairs, maintenance and upkeep. And uh, a beach home in particular, because of that salt water and stuff like that is going to deteriorate the, the paint and the HVAC even quicker. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to spend even more to keep that home up. All your hardware is rusted. That's right. Like everything is rusted on the outside of a beach home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, buying a second home that's purely for family fun, it, it 
can be a great goal to have if that's what you're into, but please don't read articles like this and assume that a vacation home is your ticket to wealth. It's it's not. It might be the opposite, actually. In a purchase like this, it really is just a lifestyle play because there are just so many superior investment strategies that also come with fewer headaches. I also know, Matt, some people who own that second vacation home, when they take a trip there, it feels less restful because they're seeing all the things that they need to do mm. to fix up their own place. Yeah. Whereas if they rented it on... They have to go there for a work week yes. to kind of basically open the house back up. I have heard these phrases being yeah. tossed around before. Yeah, it's like if yeah. you... Instead, if you rented uh, for a week or two on Airbnb or Verbo, it's like it, you can you can go hassle-free. So, I mean, it's up to you, but it's it, more than anything, it's certainly not some sort of winning investment that's going to you know put you over top and, and make you a, a millionaire overnight. That's right. Yeah, there are certainly worse ways to spend your money. Like I'm thinking of folks who go out there and uh, if like you buy a new car, the minute you drive it off the lot, you lose like 10%, right? Yeah. Because it's no longer a new car. It's a used car. Uh, but I don't think there's folks who are buying new cars who are fooling and convincing themselves. They're not delusional into thinking that, oh, this is an investment. Right. And oftentimes, I think when it comes to vacation homes, that is the mindset where you are fooling yourself into thinking that you've essentially talked yourself into making that purchase, thinking that it's a wise financial move. And it might be. But again, there are, like you said, there are better investment options out there well, for folks. It's not that it won't go up in value. It probably will. But it's probably still not a great financial move. It's not a great investment. If, if you're doing it just to grow your net worth, there are better ways to do that. That's right. Let's uh, let's talk about buying more affordable stuff online, not, not houses per se. But watch out for final sale items when you're making purchases online. Uh, we're seeing more and more retailers who are resorting to this method in an attempt to avoid those costly returns, which are eating into online retailers' profits. Yes, you might get a better price if you see something that's marked as final sale, but what if you don't like the fit? What if you don't like the, the item because it's not something you've ever ordered before, right? right? Like if that happens, like you are stuck with that item and you are out the money. Yeah, you uh, thought it was mustard yellow on the site, but it turns out it's puke green. And you're like, dang it. No, wait, this is a must. This is canary. <laughs> uh, we have talked about how like a lot of retailers, they're already cutting down on free returns uh, or they're making you jump through more hoops in order to return an item, like returning it to a designated location, a, a physical location of their choosing. But the uptrend in final sale items that could catch a lot of folks off guard Costing them a lot of money, you know. I think it's it's probably only worth it if you know that uh, specific brand or if you know that style really well. I think that's an advantage to a more boring approach to clothing, which I feel like I've taken up recently. Is that once I find a sh like, there's only a few shirts or shorts or pants that I own that I actually wear or that I really like. And so whenever those things, those bad boys go on sale, I know the exact size. I know the exact thing to get, and I'm. There's no risk there. You're they, just buying a backup. It's for just a backup thing, yeah, because eventually the, this one, and sometimes I, you know, I don't even wait. It's not like I wait for one to wear out. I've got like different versions of the, of the same thing. I've got my different matte uniforms, but <laughs> <laughs> certainly an advantage to a less adventurous form of clothing yourself. Which I mean, I think is probably better suited to males who do wear more boring wardrobes. I don't know. Uh, d depends on the person, I guess. Depends on the yeah. individual. I know the ladies out there doing the capsule wardrobe where they're keeping things simple as well. So, yeah. Which, I, yeah, I like. I like that approach. And I think final sale, like you said, could save you money, but it also could cost you if you're like, eh, I don't really like this thing. Yeah. The other thing, too, I guess maybe if you're great... Watch those return policies. Yeah, if you're great on eBay, you might be able to flip it for a profit even. You oh, might yeah. say, okay, if I don't like this, well, they're only charging me 20 bucks. I know I can get 30 on eBay. Then, okay, if you don't mind going through that, jump through those hoops, give it a shot. Uh, but speaking of shopping, Matt, there was a, a CNET article, and it was talking about specifically buying TVs. And they were uh, suggesting that you go with the, the older model, 
which we've talked about in the past too. Like, hey, when new models come out, the old model gets discounted. Why not save a few bucks? And uh, this is true when we're talking about clothing, right? Uh, Last season's clothes, they often go on sale. Like if you buy them right when they hit the website, there's no discounts yet, right? But uh, right now, if you're buying a winter jacket, you might save more money than you would come mm-hmm. like September. Uh, but yes, yeah, CNET talked about how TVs are pretty similar to smartphones in a whole lot of ways. The, the improvements are just minor and incremental every single year. So going with a, an older model, a 2022 model, will save you a lot of money and you're not really sacrificing very much. And so the, the other thing to remember here is that November and January are the two best times to buy a TV. Our, our suggestion would be own fewer TVs. Maybe just one. And, uh, Watch don't, less TV in general. Yeah, and don't worry. Except for the bear. Uh, Except for the bear. <laughs> which, <laughs> so <we're fan>. <laughs> which evidently it's Joel and Matt approved. So. Yeah. <laughs> which which means you know it's good. Two thumbs up. We're like Siskel and Ebert Ooh, in a lot of ways. Should we start reviewing reviewing shows? We'll think about it. Kind of goes counter to what we're saying about watching, <laughs> <laughs> about watching less TV. Right. Which... Uh, yeah, but man, I had the same TV for ten years before we upgraded. It was one like the first flat screen I bought back in uh, Black Friday, like two thousand six or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, one other thing I wanted to say, we've talked about Telly and the, fr- the basically how you can get a free television from Telly that's going to display ads across the bottom. I actually um, I signed up. I'm going to see if I can get one. So did you really? Yeah, I'll let you know what happens. <laughs> I kind of I changed my tune on it. I was like, why not free TV? I don't care. And uh, I got a, one of my buddies said, well, what if you put like tape across that bottom advertising screen you put just like a big black piece of paper over it and i was like yeah actually that could work so um, we'll see uh, if i get one sounds like joel's taking the more ratchet approach <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like it i like it but i also hate it because like this makes me think about is it the the time use survey uh that shows that Americans, like like aside from sleeping, which I kind of mentioned earlier, like the number one thing that they do is watch TV. Yeah. Like it's literally America's number one hobby. It's it's like America's pastime, which I hate. Like it, it kind of it, it makes it makes me sad. But I think there's a lot of folks who are talking themselves maybe into making some of these upgrades and getting the newest model because to them it's their craft beer equivalent. Yeah, right. They're thinking, well, this is. I, lo- I love TV, and because of that, they're, they're maybe wanting the newest models, and maybe they're justifying it too because t- TVs are pretty cheap. They're pretty affordable. True. It's a they've only gone down in hobby. They've only gone down in price. It doesn't cost you much money, but it costs you in a whole lot of other ways. Yeah, it costs you your soul. <laughs> Something <laughs> you like that. So much TV. Uh, let's talk about the auto industry because the car market is softening. Uh, we all knew that used car prices that they wouldn't continue to appreciate and value forever. But we also didn't know how long this odd trend was going to last. There are now more unsold cars on dealer lots than we've seen in years. Uh, and this is typically measured, uh, the, the unit of measurement that they use is called the day's worth of supply. Uh, and so that is up to 53 days, which is a 75% increase from a year ago. And uh, an abundance of EVs is the, the main reason why. we've already. I think the uh, number of EVs on lots, if you only look at that sector, it's something like 100. It's over 100 days. Wow. Uh, we've already seen Tesla prices drop like a rock. And by the way, I think the average, just so people know, is like 60 days. So we're still not back even to normal supply on most car lots. But we're trending. But we're, <laughs> we're, yeah, heading, we're, we're heading in that direction. Exactly. And we're also at an overabundance of EVs. EVs specifically. Yeah. because Well, it makes sense because the car manufacturers have figured, figured it out. But folks, I think there's a lot of folks who are unwilling because of the infrastructure. The technology isn't quite there to allow you to do like a cross-country road trip feasibly. And then the infrastructure, like there aren't as many 
charging stations as there are gas stations. And well, I think that's going to be the tipping point that allow, that gives people the peace of mind. I think price was another factor, although that's starting to change too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so Ford, they just announced a $10,000 price cut on the uh, the Lightning, on the entry-level Lightning, after having jacked up the prices significantly after the truck debuted. But more EV models are coming down the pike, which just means that prices are likely going to decrease even more as more competition enters the market. And overall, with the car the car market, we, we you know we may not be back to pre-pandemic levels, but at least we're, we are finally moving past the uh, the upside down car market that we've been in for a few years now. Hopefully, it'll become a little more affordable to replace that old ride if uh, you've kind of been limping along there. Yeah, and. I think an EV is starting to make more and more sense, financially speaking, for a minute. Those prices were soaring <laughs> a couple of years ago. And it was, even though you were going to save potentially on maintenance costs and gas costs, it just didn't make financial sense. It might make more financial sense for more people now when they get certain models, especially when you factor in the uh, federal tax credit on top of that, That's right? That's right. Uh, but let's, something else on the car, car front, Matt, lenders are, are getting more cautious when they're giving out loans right now, we talked on Wednesday about the importance of having a, a good credit score and the massive downsides to having a bad one. Well, it, it, it can impact you in a number of ways uh, on your personal finances, right? And so it's even more important right now to have a good credit score because banks are tightening their lending standards. And close to one in five folks who apply for an auto loan right now, they're being rejected straight up. So that should be kind of enlightening to all of us, letting us know that we should do a few different things if we're looking to buy a car. One, improve your credit score. If you want to know more about that, go back and listen to Wednesday's episode. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, and we've got other resources on howtomoney.com to teach you how to increase your credit score. Also, save up more money. The more cash you have on hand, the less you have to finance. Maybe, maybe even you can pay for that car fully in cash, which would be awesome. So the next thing. That's what we recommend. Buy a cheaper car. If you get, you know, turned down, it's like, hey, maybe you're looking at, for something that's too expensive, that's out of your financial wheelhouse. So opt to find something that's cheaper, that's a little older maybe, but still in good condition. And then also have a good relationship with a local credit union. You're going to get better rates that way anyway. Credit unions are the best place to turn for financing for most things, including oftentimes new and used cars. So the, follow all those tips and and hopefully this tightening uh, lending standards in the auto industry, it, they're not going to impact you negatively. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just save up cash and you can avoid that headache altogether yeah. because you're not... Joel, have you ever paid interest to on a car note Never. before? No. Boom. See, I financed a, a car one time because I got a 0%, 0 interest though. And it was, uh, it was a new car. It was the only new car I've ever purchased. But it was an EV and it was back when there was a state and a federal incentive to buy it. You were able to double dip. Normally though... You, I don't know if you'll ever catch no. me buying a new car ever again. Yeah, well, not only a new car, but again, just the the financing part of it because you are it's just a bad move because you are financing yeah. a depreciating asset. And so I get, I just want to end on that note with as we're talking about cars and lending because I, like I don't want to beat around the bush. Like it's just a much much smarter financial move. You can save up cash, buy that thing outright. But while you're doing that, you might be thinking, well, how am I, how am I going to get around? How am I supposed to get around if I don't have a car at all? Well. Maybe you could take the bus. Yes. <laughs> uh, in our mind, bus travel, it, it never went away, but apparently it's back with a vengeance. Uh, we've talked before about Megabus. That's a pretty solid company. They offer fairly inexpensive bu bus trips around the country. I've I, have I detailed the, the time I went round trip to New Orleans? I think for $11 round trip. Mm -hmm. I think like back in the day. Yeah. It's, it's been, that was $11 though, that's like... 
that was like 2010 prices though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't taken Megabus uh, in, uh, I don't do, know, probably do five Do they or six still years. have the, uh, like, where they sell off the first few seats for like $1? Yes. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's like the Costco $1.50 hot dogs thing. It's like yes. a deal that, that you are can't be beat. And some of those decently comfortable seats and Wi Fi on board, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really not that bad. I know most people are like, the bus? What are you talking no, about? But we want folks to consider it. There are nicer buses now. Well, and especially given the, the problems that the airlines have experienced this year. It seems that folks are even more keen to stay on the ground when they travel. Uh, so Flix uh, and Greyhound, it's, they're owned by the same company, uh, but they both experience a significant surge in ridership. And obviously, it's, it's probably not going to be as quick as the flight, in most cases, at least. Uh, but it could be a whole lot cheaper, uh, especially for folks who may not have a car. I think for a lot of folks who live in major cities like New York or something like that, you might be thinking, oh, the only way I get places is either take the subway or I fly somewhere. Mm -hmm. Nah, consider the bus. It's at least worth considering checking the prices and seeing if it's worth the different trade-offs. For sure. All right. That's a lot of good stuff today, Matt. Yeah. And uh, and if you ever have a suggestion, by the way, a story you want us to cover, or in particular, a ludicrous headline you think we should mention on the show, we'd love Those to hear are always it. always fun. You can always reach out. Our email is howtomoneypod at gmail.com, and you can find show notes and links to some of the stuff we mentioned up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you like the show and haven't left us a review yet, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us to get the word out. Just click the five stars on Spotify. It, it helps. It's, it's so easy to do. But uh, <laughs> we hope everyone out there stays cool, stay hydrated uh, during this weekend. And buddy, that's going to be it for this one. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.